where we left off, uh, Luke 22, verse 63. It's where we're going to pick up as a, uh, as a recap. I know some of my recaps are not quick, um, but uh, there's uh, nothing, that, there's no rush through the scripture. Um, and uh, sometimes that's a, a good way uh, for us to kind of rewind a little bit. Look what, you know, if you've been watching a movie and there was a break in it, Sometimes, or, or you haven't seen something, and it's good to, to go back even more so in the scripture sometimes. Um, we can get to a point, especially in our daily reading, of just sit down, pick it up, and just start reading and forget what we went through. You know, maybe we need to back up a little bit just to kind of uh, look into what we're going into. So as we go through this, um, uh, you know, we'll trust that the Lord is going to speak to us and, um, and, uh, that we're we're gonna you know be blessed, but I I think it's important to go back and, and look at what we're doing, uh, what we were doing last time we were together. So um, earlier in Luke twenty two, uh, we picked up with the disciples arguing about who was going to be the greatest. Uh, and uh, as as foolish as that sounds, uh, the Lord was very gracious to them, uh, and uh, and just instead of uh, snapping. And and correcting them, he just he just uh, graciously ministered to them and, and explained how he was going to use them uh, for God's kingdom. Uh, right after that, after they're talking about who's going to be the greatest, and there's this argument is, uh, and the, and the Lord graciously deals with them. Uh, the Lord informs Peter of the failure coming for him, and we we covered in length, at length uh, his denial and uh, the. The Lord not only told him he was going to fail, but he, he encouraged him and he told him that I have prayed for you. And it's so important for us to understand that Jesus makes intercession. And we covered several scriptures uh, of the Lord interceding for us. And uh, it's just such a blessing for us as as believers. There's there's it isn't a, uh, he, he isn't a different Holy Spirit and he isn't a different Jesus to them than he was to us. You know, we, we can move forward with confidence that the Lord is interceding for us just the way he did, uh, just as he did uh, for Peter and for any of these. You know, if you think of Sto uh, Stephen, when when he was stoned, uh, right before right before he died, he looked up and he saw Jesus sitting uh, right up there, uh, right next to God. And, you know, so I see Jesus. You know, sit, uh, and actually Jesus was standing, uh, which is a cool thing to even study in and of itself. But the Lord is right there interceding for us. Uh, so the Lord was preparing Peter um, for his failure, but also reminded him that he'd been told him he'd be praying for him, but reminded him that at this at this point you're going you're going to come back to me. And he tells him of a return, and he said, "When you return, I want you to strengthen the brethren." And it's important to understand what that meant. And we really dove in, and I, I love I love studying that. And we went a little bit further, and we saw Peter's failure. And we talked about Peter's failure is written in history. The Bible, I, I think, is still the the uh, highest uh, the highest sold and um, most sold uh, book in man in the history of mankind. You know, so everybody can look at Peter's failure, uh, and and unfortunately, he's often just remembered for his failure, those bad things. And we talked about how you know our failure graciously isn't etched. Uh, you know, and, and written in here in, in uh, black or red letters uh, that, that our failure, you know, the Lord deals with us. and uh, But we can learn a lot from, from Peter and we see uh, how devastating it was for him. So uh, the Lord also, as we were studying, reminded the disciples of his faithfulness to provide. And he talked about how they, uh, when he sent them out the first time, they never lacked. And then uh, he, that was a, a lesson in his faithfulness. And he said, well, this time, uh, it, he talked about, you know, make sure you have the stuff for you. I've shown you how I'm going to provide. You can trust in that. Uh, and also uh, we talked uh, about uh, personal protection. You know, the Lord told them, uh, you know, to, you know, if you got an extra tunic, sell it and buy a sword. Actually, we'll talk uh, a little bit about that on Sunday also, uh, it, that it's okay for us to defend uh, us, uh, you know, ourselves and, and our families um, and, you know, those around us. So uh, it is very much, uh, you know, personal protection is very much uh, endorsed in the scripture. We, we also discussed that it can be looked at as a lack of faith for somebody to maybe uh, carry a weapon or anything like that. And, you know, when the Lord endorses it, we can take that and move forward with it. We also talked about the fear, uh, sorry, the, the potential failure there 
of trusting in that made object versus then, uh, you know, trusting God. You know, it, it's important for us, you know, just like a shepherd had a staff, you know, be able to, to, to fight off anything and push it away. You look at David, you know, taking things out with his bare hands. You know, th those things are just, just important to understand who protects us. It's not necessarily, you know, a sin for us to have, you know, a weapon to protect ourselves. That's that's okay. Don't place our trust in that. You know, that's that may be a tool that God uses uh, for us to protect ourselves. Anyways, moving forward from that, uh, we discussed uh, the betrayal in the garden where Peter denies Christ. And it wasn't a final denial, but it was it was Peter failing as though uh, just as the Lord had told him he was going to. We didn't leave it there. We, we had to go and look in John where the Lord restored Peter, John 21. And uh, we spent time seeing the Lord restore Peter. He failed and he rejected Peter. Uh, he repeat, Peter rejected Jesus three times. And then we saw that the Lord uh, restored him three times. Do you love me? And he, he was able to answer him. And that third time just, just broke Peter's heart. And the Lord, Lord knows Peter's love for him. Uh, that was that was never in question, but the Lord used that uh, to 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 minister to him and to to uh, ignite Peter. And then we saw when Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit, how he was used mightily by the Lord. Uh, and you, you can read through the Book of Acts and see that he he denied Jesus uh, once. Uh, sorry, those three times in that that one occasion, standing there with those uh, by the fire. But then boldly proclaimed the Lord, got thrown into prison, into, into jail. The Sanhedrin's telling him to, to shut his mouth up and stop talking in the name of Jesus. They're like, not going to happen. So he was, when he, when walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, totally different man. And, uh, and that's important for us to just ask the Lord, fill me to overflowing with your Holy Spirit. Empower me with your Holy Spirit. Uh, so it's a, so. Peter uh, rejected the Lord in that, that small group, and then he's preaching to thousands, and thousands are accepting the Lord. So the Lord restored him and, and used him mightily. And uh, he, Peter was used to heal the lame man uh, in, in the, uh, as they walked into the temple. Remember, silver and gold I, I, uh, have I not, but what I do have uh, in the name of Jesus Christ, uh, I say to you, get up and walk. And the guy's strength, and he's leaping and jumping, and that's when it gets uh, the attention of all the religious leaders. And Peter's ready to go, ready to uh, preach another sermon. The Lord, the, when when we fail and we come to the Lord, it's not He's not going to say, "No, you failed forever and you're gone." We come to Him and acknowledge that failure and ask forgiveness and that, uh, for ask Him to, by His Spirit, give us the strength to move forward, standing boldly in the name of Jesus against opposition. Lastly, before we get into this, uh, He was told. Remember, the Lord said, "When you return to Me, strengthen your brethren." And we share. We, we read a scripture. I'm going to read it again because I think it's important for us to to understand the change and the work. We we just covered some of this, but now Peter's written work, the epistles that he wrote, that we can still two thousand years later plus uh, look at and just be so blessed uh, by. So Peter's writing, uh, and, and it's a uh, it's a blessing to read Peter First uh, Peter chapter five verse one. We're just going to read uh, eight verses. It says. Uh, the elders who are among you I exhort. I am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Shepherd, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, not as lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. We specifically talked about verse three right there, where it says not as being lords over, you know, the Lord, when he was correcting uh, the disciples and talking about who's going to be the greatest, he's showing them the greatest is the one that's serving. The greatest is the one that's, that's willing to. And he said, the greatest that you're ever going to see is here. And I'm serving, you know, the, the Lord gave him that and not lording over. And he got that message. Peter got that message. What happened there uh, changed his heart. You know, the Lord, the Lord completely changed that man. And we talked about who Peter was and where he came from. He was a sinful fisher, fisherman that, that when they pulled up all those fish after unsuccessfully fishing all night long, and the Lord just tells him, cast your nets out, you know, and he obediently says, Lord, we've been fishing all night. And he does. Pulling those up, he realizes something miraculous just happened. And Peter's immediate response was, depart from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. That's who Peter was. God wants to change normal, everyday people, like a fisherman. And remember, Jesus told him, 
uh, you're going to be a fisher of men. And I'm going to change your life completely. And your job is not going to be throwing nets out into the sea. You're going to be casting nets for me and pulling people in. And did he Did he ever? You know, thousands of people being brought in uh, as the Lord uses Peter to preach. Uh, verse uh, verse 4 here says, and, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Remember, they were fighting over who's, who's going to be the greatest. Just serve faithfully and the chief shepherd's going to reward us. He's going to give. He is our reward, and he's going to reward us in heaven. Verse five says, "Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you, be submissive to one another, and be clothed with humility." This is the guy that was part of the argument of who's greatest, right? That's a lot of pride being thrown around, and he's saying, "No, it's all about humility." And he says, "God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble." Verse 6 says, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. He ends the, the portion that we're studying here with verse 8. Uh, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, lion seeking whom he may devour. Remember the Lord when he said, you know, Satan has prayed, has asked for you. He wants to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you. And Peter, in strengthening the brethren, is preparing people for the attack of the wicked one. Peter was told to strengthen the brethren, and he did. That When he was restored, Peter's whole life changed. And we thought he needed to be corrected here and there when Paul corrected him for uh, how he was addressing Gentiles and, and those, ty those types of things. But ultimately, the man's life was completely transformed by what the Lord said to him. I have prayed for you. And then he told him, you're going to fail, but you're going to be restored. And then your, your focus is to strengthen the brethren. And, and he did. That was his ministry, and and we, um, you know, Peter uh, Church tradition tells us that, uh, and and we even covered it uh, a little bit as we as we uh, studied that that the Lord told him that when you were young, uh, you went and you did as you want, but when you're older, you're basically the Lord's preparing him. You're going to go where you don't want to go, uh, and he's, the Lord's preparing him to be to be crucified. And uh, church tradition tells us that, that Peter uh, b told them he's not worthy to be crucified as Jesus and want to be crucified upside down. You know, he did give his life. He initially said he was going to give his life uh, for Jesus and, and ended up denying uh, Jesus as uh, the Lord told him he would. But when he was restored, uh, he, he did die for Christ. And uh, so be encouraged and, and, and be strengthened that if we do fail, and, and we're going to, we're going to have failures in our lives, just go back to the Lord and ask him, restore me, strengthen me, and help me. And uh, we looked at how, how God ministered to Peter. Like I said, I might be a little long-winded in our recaps, but um, you know, I'll, I'll do as the Lord leads. So uh, verse 63 of uh, Luke 22. Excuse me. Uh, now the men who held Jesus mocked him and beat him. Having blindfolded him, they struck him on the face and asked him, saying, Prophesy, who is the one who struck you? And many other things they blasphemous, blasphemously uh, spoke against him. So uh, the Lord was uh, was taken, uh, really just went with them. Uh, it wasn't because of their torches and pitchforks that he was now intimidated. You know, the Lord did challenge them and 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 uh, you know called them out. Um, you know, that saying you know you got to come to me as like a robber and everything. And so the Lord uh, just goes with them, and He knows the will of the Father is for Him to lay His life down. Uh, so that we can be saved and that mankind has a way to salvation. And, and uh, so he goes. And uh, uh, as, we're, as we're looking here, we see that he's, he's uh, these two, three verses that we covered. Uh, the Lord is, is now at a place where they, they have him where they want him. Uh, and they're, uh, he's blindfolded. They're mocking him. And a scripture that gives us an understanding of a process that's beginning and, and how badly he will be beat that night uh, is in Isaiah chapter 52, uh, verse 14 says, Just as many were astonished at you, so his visage was marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. 
it's going to be a, a physically brutal night for Jesus. Physically brutal. Uh, and, and what we see here is they're, he's blindfolded and they're striking him in the face and they're mocking him. And uh, so if you think of, um, I fortunately, I don't remember ever being punched in the face. And I hope I, I, I have no ambition for that. I have a friend that, that uh, teaches uh, jujitsu and, uh, and he's like, Hey, come, you know, come and come to the gym and everything. I'm like, dude, I'll do the Cause I wrestled and that was my background. So jujitsu sounds, sounds fun to me. But I told him I have zero interest in mixed martial arts of getting punched or kicked in the face, you know, in the head. I'm 42 years old. You know, I, 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 I'm doing everything I can to keep my faculties about me now, and I don't need any help in fast-forwarding uh, that. So I, I did tell him that. But but the, the force of getting hit. Now, uh, when someone's getting hit, you can, you can brace for it. You can you can turn and maybe you know that song um, who was it Huey Lewis in the news roll with it, roll with it or whatever roll with a baby or something that rolling with a punch you know when it gets hit where you can kind of go with it and everything you're blindfolded you don't know where it's coming from and you don't know uh, the direction so the Lord is taking full on you know blunt force trauma to his head he's being beaten uh, being blindfolded and he and then they're mocking him you know prophesy tell it well who hit you who hit you? And you know, there's, there's all, it's that the way I consider it is like a bunch of hyenas, you know, they, they, they're, they're a bunch of hyenas and they're laughing and they're doing, they, they've got their prey and they're standing there and they're prophesying to Jesus what they don't, uh, they don't realize the one they're rejecting is he could have easily told them and spiritually dismantled them right then. He could have said, Oh, that was you. And let me tell you about you. And, and just, we saw it, right? We saw it in John chapter 8. Remember the, the whole sham that was set up? They, they caught the woman in adultery. No man around, right? They just bragged, dragged the woman out because, well, hey, let's just get rid of the, the, the man here. We'll cover him. But it, because you're looking at the law, if they're caught in adultery, both were supposed to die. Where's the man? So the whole thing was, a, was just a sham. And they go to Jesus and they're, oh, yeah, we're going to get him this time. Let's see what he has to say. And uh, uh, she's caught in adultery, and you know there's religious leaders have it all set up. And you know uh, what does Jesus do? You know he's just sitting there drawing on the ground, right? I love that scripture. You know it's such an amazing thing to study. And then his thing, what he did, he just tells him and says, "He's without sin. Let him cast the first stone." And then what do we read? They all uh, and without addressing each one individually, there's a whole group. He says it, and then starts writing on the ground again. Uh, and without addressing any of them, you know, from the oldest to the youngest, they all walk away. You know, the Lord could have done that just to these guys here. They think they've got them. You know, the, the, the pitchforks, the clubs, everything. They've got everything here. We brought them here by our, our own might. No, the Lord very much uh, submitted to the will of the Father. And uh, this, is, uh, this is going to happen. He knew this was going to happen. And he, and he went. Uh, and he submitted his own will to the will of the Father. And nevertheless, not my will be done, but your will. And uh, he's uh, going through this this process. Wanted to share a, a quote from Spurgeon in talking about this because they're mocking him, they're beating him, and uh, in, in a look into the victory uh, of Jesus through these. And we're going to look more at the uh, at the mock trials that that Jesus is in these illegal trials, and we'll talk about the legalities. Uh, of uh, the things that happened to him that night. But Spurgeon has this to say about this. He says, I must also call him victorious. His persecutors could not make him, uh, could not make him give way to anger. They could not destroy his mercy. They could not slay his love. They could not cause him to think of himself. They could not make him declare that he would go no further with his work of saving sinners. Now that men began to scoff at him and smile and smite him and despitefully use him. All of those things. That's a, an amazing thing I wanted to share with you. That no matter what happened, the, the Lord was set. There was nothing they could do to change any of those things. Um, uh, to give way to anger, to, uh, to destroy his mercy. They could not slay his love. 
but just amazing, amazing things that we we can uh, these uh, things that as we study, as we get into the scripture, guys, I encourage you study these things before even before we come in, study them and uh, study them when you go home and look and see what the Lord, you know, sit down and look at these same passages and and the Lord's going to speak to you now, uh, you know, understanding uh, that there's no, you know, private interpretation remember the scripture warns us that that there isn't that private interpretation of of prophecies and stuff like that you know what the word says is what it means so um but just go home and ask him to to help take me deeper into this you know because we can sit here for 45 minutes to an hour and study these things but sometimes the lord uh might open and speak to you directly through something as you're reading, you go, oh, this is what you meant, Lord, as you were saying this to me. I'm sorry, guys. I'm dealing with some reflux. Uh, I'll get through it, okay? Uh, just just, just go with me here. I have some chews, but if I chew them, I'll stand in here, and I'll be chewing for the next 30 seconds. So I'll chew them after, And uh, but uh, as we go here, I'm, I promise I'm okay. So uh, verse 66. And as soon as it was day, the elders of the people, both chief priests and scribes, came together and led him into their council, saying, If you are the Christ, tell us. But he said to them, If I tell you, you will by no means believe. And if I also ask you, you will by no means answer me uh, or let me go. Hereafter, the Son of Man will sit on the right hand of the power of God. Then they all said, are you then the son of God? And he said to them, you rightly say that I am. And they said, uh, and they said, what further testimony do we need? For we have heard it ourselves from his own mouth. Now, as we're looking here, it's important to understand uh, Luke doesn't record something that, that uh, Matthew did. And that doesn't mean that Luke's the gospel is not anointed by the Holy Spirit or led by the Holy Spirit. It's just different accounts. So, uh, what we will do is we're gonna we're gonna look into Matthew a little bit. Uh, Matthew, if you feel like uh, turning there, we are gonna read um, uh, uh, 10, 12 verses, maybe eleven. I'm just throwing together. Math was never my strong suit. No, just just kidding. Um, so as soon as it was day, so in uh, verse uh, sixty six, when it says as soon as there was day, the Sanhedrin is now gathering together again for a more legal. Um, process. So Luke doesn't record the first illegal trial, uh, but Matthew uh, looks into it and, and uh, describes it for us. So we'll uh, look into the legality soon, but uh, what we'll do here is as we turn to, to Matthew 26, uh, we'll get another glimpse into where it says when it was day. There was something that happened at night, and we're going to talk about here, and we're going to look at uh, how illegal that was, and uh, and then we'll move forward. But Matthew 26, verses 56, uh, sorry, verse 57 uh, through 67 is where we're at. Uh, verse 57 says, And those who had laid, held, excuse me, laid hold of Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, when the scribes and the elders were assembled, where they were assembled. But Peter followed him at a distance, uh, to the high priest's courtyard, and when uh, and he went in and sat with the servants to see the end. Now the chief priests, the elders, and the council sought false testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but found none. Even those many false witnesses came for. Even though uh, many false witnesses came forward, they found none. But at last, two false witnesses came forward and said, "This fellow said." I am able to destroy the temple of God and build it in three days. And the high priest arose and said to him, Do you answer nothing? What is it? These men have testified against you. But Jesus kept silent. And the high priest answered and said to him, I put you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Then Jesus said to him, It is as you said. Nevertheless, I say to you, hereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power, uh, right hand of the power, and coming uh, on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes, saying, "He has spoken blasphemy. What further need do we have? Uh, uh, do we have of witnesses? Look, now you have heard his blasphemy. What do you think?" They answered and said, "He is deserving of death." They spat on his face and beat him and struck him with the palms of their hands. Uh, 
So when it says as soon as it was day back in Luke, uh, now that they've had the pieces in place and appear um, that they've kept their own law, they hadn't. So they're going to go and they're going to repeat this stuff out in the middle of the day. But uh, so they, they secure these false witnesses uh, and uh, and and that in and of itself, the false witnesses against their law. So they have this mock trial. Remember, it was at night. Uh, everything that was happening in Caiaphas and Annas's house uh, was happening at night because that's where that's where uh, Peter denied the Lord. Uh, and, and then the Lord locks eyes with him. And uh, so that'll happen before that day trial that, that came out. So they knew what they were going to do in the day trial. And that's why it looks very similar. They already knew what they had, the, the material they had. So they went through uh, this sham uh, of a of a, a trial the next morning. But o o over uh, the night, they, they very much held illegal trials against Jesus. So, so he was first brought... Uh, to Annas, uh, if we uh, in, in John chapter eighteen verses, uh, if, if you want to look at that verses twelve through fourteen, uh, and I'm I'm just going to read it for you. You don't have to turn there, uh, but I just want you to uh, be aware of how these all tie together. Uh, verse twelve says, "Then the detachment of troops saw the captain of the officers of the Jews, uh, and and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him, and they led him away to Annas first. For he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was a high priest that year. Now it was Caiaphas who advised the Jews that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. And verses 19 through 23 says, The high priest then asked Jesus about his disciples and his doctrine. And Jesus answered and said, I spoke openly uh, to the world. I always taught in the synagogues in, in the temple where the Jews always meet. And in secret, I have said nothing. Why do you ask me? Uh, why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. Indeed, uh, they know what I said. And when he said these things, one of the officers who stood by uh, struck Jesus with the palm of his hand, saying, "Do you answer the high priest like that?" Jesus answered him, "If I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why do you strike me?" So then Annas uh, sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. So Annas uh, uh, to Caiaphas. So those two things happened at night. So he's first taken to the former high priest, and he was still very much a, a leader, still holds a powerful position, even though he wasn't the current sitting high priest. Uh, he, he still held a very a powerful position, as we see. They bring him to him first. So uh, then they bring him to Caiaphas, and we read uh, in Matthew chapter 26, verses 57 through 67, for the current high priest. Uh, and uh, both of these were Ill illegal meetings of the Sanhedrin, and we're, we're going to talk about the Sanhedrin here pretty soon. Uh, but what they're doing is uh, they're there, they're, try they're trying Jesus, they're trying to set up these false witnesses, and they go with these guys with their, uh, their weak story. So after going to uh, Annas and Caiaphas, now the beatings begin. So now you can see where those things pick up in Luke. So those those beatings begin Luke twenty three verses sixty three through sorry twenty two verses sixty three to sixty five, and then uh, as we get to sixty six, where it says as soon as it was day, now is an official trial, and we know that it's loaded, it's front loaded. They have the information they want. And they've got the false witnesses in place. They have you know, what they need now, but they've been beating Jesus all night and trying him illegally all night. So when it says, as soon as it was day, now they bring him in, and now, that it, now it looks semi-legal. So now that's where they're going. So this whole process, they ignored and broke several of their own laws um, with the illegal trials uh, at night, and we'll look at some more. So um, the, the Jewish trial laws, also known as the Mishnah. So we're going to look into those. So. The elders of the people, uh, both chief priests and scribes, came together and led him into their council, is, is what it says here. Um, so this this daytime uh, meeting of the Sanhedrin was necessary because the Sanhedrin's own laws and regulations, um, uh, based on those things, uh, that, that night trial that he had was illegal. So 
Uh, here are some rules, and I was able to find these. David Gudsick put these together, so they're they're awesome, and they're going to benefit us uh, in, as we grow in our faith, and they're going to benefit us if you're ever sharing this and you're ever teaching these things. So according to Jewish law, all criminal trials must begin and end in daylight. So Jesus' first two mock trials in front of Annas and Caiaphas were both at night, and they're all gathered around, and they're trying to set things up, but those were things were happening at night. So there's a, there's a law broken right there. According to Jewish law, all criminal trials must begin and end in the daylight. The second trial was uh, necessary because they knew the first one, um, uh, the, the real trial and what they were trying to dig uh, into and get what they really wanted uh, wasn't legal. So they had to they had to do it uh, in the middle of the day. So another uh, another Jewish law says, according to Jewish law, only decisions made in the official meeting place were valid. Okay, so uh, at Annas's house and Caiaphas's house, any decision they made there, uh, they they couldn't they couldn't make those. So they had to go uh, to the meeting place of the Sanhedrin. Uh, so uh, because it was held in those places, uh, there was another Jewish law that was broken. According to Jewish law, criminal cases could not be tried during the Passover season. Another one broken because. Passover's like right here. It's Passover season. So there's another law broken. According to Jewish law, only an acquittal could be issued uh, on the day of a trial. Jesus, as we see here, uh, was, was uh, so I'll, I'll read the rest of it. So only an acquittal uh, could be issued on the day of trial. Guilty verdicts had to wait one night to allow for feelings of mercy to rise. According, so uh, as, as we're looking at this, it says only an acquittal can happen during the day. You can't, you can't give a guilty verdict during the day. They were supposed to hear everything and then be able to go home and process these things, come back and then give their, uh, you know, give their votes uh, to, you know, what they believe and, and, and their own verdicts. So, the fact that he was found guilty by them was also uh, against their own their own law. So they were, the these things were uh, were designed, and, and we'll look at this thing. Uh, the whole procedure was designed for mercy to make sure uh, that an innocent person wasn't being uh, being punished. According to Jewish law, all evidence had to be guaranteed by two witnesses. Uh, who are approx uh, who are separately so listen to this. Uh, According to Jewish law, all evidence had to be guaranteed by two witnesses who were separately examined and could not have contact with each other. There's another law broken. They all got together and they're listening to anybody who's got false accusations. Da, 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 at night during their illegal trial. So there's another one broken. They didn't. It doesn't say separately here. They had them all sitting right there. According to Jewish law, false witness, uh, uh, false witness was punishable by death. They know these guys are false witnesses. But it's getting them to the end that they want so that they can hand Jesus over and try to get him executed. So they don't care. Blood is all over their hands. All over their hands. The most innocent blood is all over their hands. So nothing's, uh, nothing's done uh, to these many false witnesses in Jesus' trial. According to Jewish law... A trial always began by bringing forth evidence for the innocence of the accused before the evidence of guilt was offered. So they just came right in with the evidence of guilt. These are guys, the Sanhedrin were, uh, and we're going to look at, at who they were, but they knew these laws. But in their own emotion and in their own murderous drive, they're casting out all this stuff. And they're 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 casting it all out because all they want to do is is go to go to Pilate and say you need to you need to take this guy out you need to take him out and Pilate's going to send him to Herod and then Herod's going to send him back to Pilate and they're just vehemently uh, just just screaming getting more and more uh, wound up as as things happen and as things grow the whole procedure uh, all of this was designed for mercy even in Luke's summary account. Uh, it is clear that the Sanhedrin, when it tried Jesus, was far from keeping its own rules and regulations. It's from Barclay. So when when you're when we're looking at these, I'm, I'm going to run through. I won't uh, describe them all. Okay, okay so all, all criminal trials must begin and end in the daylight. 
Only decisions made uh, in the official meeting place were valid. Criminal cases could not be tried during the Passover. Only an acquittal could be issued on the day of trial. Guilty verdicts had to come after the night. All evidence had to be guaranteed by two witnesses, not false witnesses. False witness was punishable by death. So if somebody came into the court and they found out they were lying, they're dead. But these guys are right with them. Hey, these guys seem like they got a good, you know, they're pretty convincing. Let's take him along. Let's take those two guys along and let's go. False witness, punishable by death. A trial always began by bringing forth evidence of the innocence of the accused before the evidence of the guilt was offered. So that's a lot there. And when we see the court, that, that Jewish court that was uh, supposed to be keeping all these laws, they're throwing together these illegal trials. They're ignoring their own laws. They're breaking their own laws. All, all of it was a sham. And all these guys are disobeying their own laws. And who's going to hold them accountable? They're the ones doing it. So we see the murderous heart that is leading and their emotions that are, that are taking over here. One other thing uh, I got a note here. Every member of the Sanhedrin had to give their verdict separately, youngest to oldest. These guys are all just screaming together. They're all together, just, ah, just they, they just want murder. So the Sanhedrin, I talked talked about that. So it's the highest Jewish tribunal uh, during the Greek and Roman periods. Very powerful influence, 70 members and a president. So 71 people total. So that's a very big group of people made up of chief priests, scribes, and elders. So they would deal with uh, uh, civil and some low-level criminal cases um, uh, during Jesus' time. And uh, they had uh, just lost, so uh, roughly f around 40 years uh, before the uh, the Romans came in, which is AD 70. So right before uh, Jesus, uh, so really during Jesus' ministry, they lost uh, the ability to carry out executions right around 30 AD. They lost the, the ability to, to carry out those things. So uh, they could pass a death sentence verdict, uh, but they couldn't execute. They had to have Roman authority to actually carry out the execution. So you see what's happening here? They had to have that Roman authority, so they had to get everything together. So they got their mock trials done at night. Then they, they acted like they were having a real trial during the day. Then they have everything that they want, and uh, they've got their their thing of blasphemy. That Verse 70 is really what they were after. They really wanted to get to, and we're going to get into that here again here soon, but they really needed to get to the point where, oh, now we can go to Rome. Now we know we've got the death sentence that we want. Now we can go and get Rome's approval so we can put him to death. So uh, this is why he was uh, uh, tried by Pilate after the Sanhedrin. So important to understand that. So all of this is a total mockery. Uh, and, and, and grave violation of their own laws. So as we're reading here, because we can read right by verse 66 and, and not understand if, if you're just reading here and you, and, you, and you haven't spent time looking at all the cross-references and going back and putting the Gospels together and understanding what's happening. So these guys are, are driven by their, uh, their uh, intense hate for Jesus, and uh, he was a threat to their power threat to their finances, and they wanted him gone. And uh, this, is, this is where they've, they've got him where they want him, uh, and uh, they, they think that, uh, um, that it's because they've done the right thing and, and they've got the right people, and, um, and uh, Jerry, Jesus is very much there uh, in obedience to the Father. As we look at verses uh, 67 through 69, uh, Jesus is addressing something that no matter what he said, they weren't going to believe. So he just challenges them. He just basically, whatever he says, they're not going to believe. And uh, Jesus tells them that he's going to sit uh, on the right hand of the power of God. When he does so, he's declaring to them that he will rise again and that he is the son of God. Psalm 110, uh, Messianic Psalm. I've, uh, we've talked, as this is built up, we've, we've covered it and we uh, dove into it a few times. Uh, this uh, Psalm 110 is speaking of the Messiah's reign. and uh, It says in Psalm 110, sit at my right hand until I have made your enemies your footstool. You guys know we've seen that scattered throughout the New Testament. Uh, and uh, so it's, it's going to be a that's that's a familiar verse from Psalm 110. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I, I know I mentioned this before. I'm just going to read it to you. Acts chapter seven, verse 54 says, 
uh, when they heard these things, uh, those that uh, Stephen was addressing, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed at him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, Look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. So those that are stopping their ears and going to murder uh, murder Stephen, no doubt, some of them, I, I, I have to believe some of them were, were the same. It may, it may have been, I, I don't know for sure if it was all the same uh, religious leaders or not. But you know word got out. Like, hey, he said this as he was dying. Hebrews 1.1 1, 1 says, God, who at various time and in various ways spoke in, uh, in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus is exactly where he said he was going to be. You know, these guys, these guys have him there. And Jesus says, no matter what you, what I say, you're not going to believe it anyways, but I'm going to tell you where I'm going. And, and, uh, and, and it stirs up a frenzy with them and, and, and it just gets them more agitated. Hebrews eight, verse one, uh, I think it's just verse one and two. I'm going to read to you. It says, now this is the main point of the things we are saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord erected and not man sitting at, it says seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. Jesus is who exactly who he says he was. He went to exactly where he said he was going to go. Um, and, uh, and these guys, uh, these guys, even though they're asking the questions, they didn't, you guys, you guys have been in uh, conversations with people where no matter what the answer is, they don't care. Uh, and, and maybe we've been that person and maybe we've been on the other side of that where maybe we're not slowing down, ready to listen to what somebody else is, is, is going to say to us. Uh, and whatever it is, you could say the exact, the exact perfect answer and the rage is still going to go on. These guys were very much, uh, didn't have their listening ears on, uh, when they're asking Jesus these questions. So verse 70 is really what they're trying to get to. It's the charge they really wanted. Um, uh, then they asked to confirm uh, him to confirm. So are you saying that you're the son of God? And they ask him to confirm and he does. Jesus just confirms it. And, and then we see on uh, verse 71 and they say, what further testimony do we need? For we have heard it ourselves from his own mouth. Chapter 23, verse one. Then the whole multitude of them arose and led him to Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ, a king. Then Pilate asked him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? He answered and said, It is as you say. So Pilate said to the chief priests and to the crowd, I find no fault in this man. But they were uh, the more fierce. Thank you, brother. They were the more fierce, saying, He stirs up the people, teaching throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee to this place. So Jesus has been handed over to Pontius Pilate. So there's, it's, it mentions the whole multitude. So there's a big mob. You know, these guys are all just, here we go. We're, we're, we've, got, <clears throat> we've got what we want. There's the whole multitude. <laughs> you guys are awesome. Two of you, two of you got me some water. I am blessed by that. Thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you, brother. <laughs> so the, the whole, thank you. Uh, the whole multitude. So there are a lot of these guys against one man. Now that in and of itself, when you've got a mob that's going stir crazy and they're crazy, any ruler should look at that. Any experienced ruler is going to look at that and go, wait a minute, wait a minute. All of you need to be here for this. What's going on? Just that in and of itself. Just these guys going crazy. I, I think any of us, if we really back up and look at any circumstance, wait a minute. Are there not two, two sides to each story? 
You know, those things. Well, yeah, we've got enough people here. We're, we're going to be good. You know, they, they, the, the mob is there. So uh, they had, uh, you know, this, this whole group uh, had consented to, uh, to his beatings all night. They're a murderous mob. And uh, they have that strength in, uh, strength in numbers mentality. And uh, they all wanted to be part of it. They are just like, hey, don't, don't go anywhere with me. You know there were those guys just trying to keep up with everything that was happening here. So they come with these false accusations saying he's perverted the nation. We know that's not true. And you go through his, his – at what point? Okay, what are you talking about perverting the nation? Forbidding to pay taxes. They uh, must be – my take on this as I was studying this was they're still a little bit salty of the defeat that they had from Luke 20, verse 20, right? When the Lord – you know, what are you talking about? And the Pharisees had – remember, they, they, they got these spies that aren't even good at being spies. And, um, you know, it, the Lord perceives what they're doing. And, and the Lord's answer to them was absolutely perfect. Uh, and he's rendered to Caesar what is Caesar's. So at what point? We know that's a false accusation. That's a lie. They're worthy of death. They are worthy of death. They are making a false accusation of Jesus because we have his words written here. All of them could be put to death for their false accusation by their own law. No, render to Caesar what is Caesar's. You notice they didn't mention uh, that he said, you know, render to God what is God's either. <laughs> they they left out all of that stuff. Yeah, yeah, he totally schooled us, right? They're not they're not going to come out and be like, yeah, we got totally embarrassed by this guy. No, because they got embarrassed, they weren't willing to change. Their hearts were so hard and so full of murder and envy and strife and hate that they were just more rage filled and wanting to kill him. So that's that's really what's happening here is they're willing to say whatever and do whatever so that Jesus can be executed that day. Regardless of all those laws that we just looked at, regardless of anything, they want Jesus taken out right now. And they're, 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 they are there making their demands. Saying that he himself is Christ the King. When they asked him, and, and they're going through all these things, he, he did. He said, you, you rightly say that I am. It didn't matter what he said. We saw that there. He just said, no matter what I say, uh, he says, I tell you the truth, you will by no means believe. So, so they could have gone through with anything and said anything, but uh, they chose to come through and, and as if uh, so that saying that he says he's a king, they're trying to get him in trouble with Pilate that he's trying to put himself in a place of, of royalty when he's not. And then there uh, because if you, we look a little bit further, you look at Barabbas who had just stirred up you know a whole uh, tumultuous thing. It resulted in him getting a murder charge. Uh, and it's because anybody who's trying to lead an insurrection, Rome wants to take out. So they're trying to say, this guy's a threat to you because he says he's a king. And if he says he's a king, then people are going to follow after him. So he's a real threat to you. That's where they're really going with that. So Pilate asked Jesus directly. And Jesus says to him, it is as you say. I love that. And so we have the first account here of Pilate saying that he finds no fault in him. So Pilate says, you know, I find no fault in him. But they were, it says they were more fierce. They were the more fierce saying he stirs up people teaching and throughout all Judea, beginning in Galilee to this place. They didn't realize as they're saying that they're making things more compli complicated for themselves. Because as we look into verse six, when Pilate hears the word Galilee, he goes, wait a minute. I don't even have to deal with this. That's Herod's jurisdiction. This is going to Herod. So, uh, so. As you know, basically what's happening is they're pulling a political card now. So they're like, wait, he's going everywhere. Uh, and they want to intimidate uh, Pilate. And we see as we as we study through this that they were successful in doing so. They were successful in intimidating uh, Pilate to get him to do what they wanted him to do. Um, and uh, so, uh, you know, when they're mentioning stirring up the people, that insurrection – Rome doesn't want the insurrection. So they're trying to do things. They're trying to manipulate Pilate. They're trying to do what they can to manipulate him to do their will. And then they mention uh, Galilee. That backfires immediately. Um, it, it ends up coming back to Pilate, as we'll see. But um, Pilate could have ended it all right there. Pilate was in the position where he could have said, you know what? No, this is all done. We're, we're, this is all over with. He had the power to do so, and he doesn't properly use his authority and gives into the crowd. And I... Uh, and what we see here is, uh, and we're going to get to this question later, 
uh, and, and these two things. This is the only thing Pilate is known for in history is what he did with Jesus. And it's a question for us, and it's a question for all humanity. What do you do with Jesus? You hear that gospel. What are you going to do with it? We, that's, that, that's an important question. And, uh, and th what he's remembered for is the, uh, just totally folding and, and giving in and totally failing at his duties. And everything that he, that, it, like historically, that's all Pilate is known for. He didn't do anything else significant uh, in, in history. This is what he's known for. This is the, the biggest claim to fame is his uh, inability to uh, properly uh, do his job. So the crowd does manipulate uh, Pilate and the situation. Uh, I, I was listening to a pastor on this, and I, uh, I was blessed to hear him uh, share this because he shared what uh, Gail Irwin. Now, I, I realize uh, Will was also sharing something different about Gail Irwin here recently, but Gail Irwin, um, was he did a series uh, about manipulation, uh, and, and he shared this, and I was blessed by it. It says, if you sense manipulation, our answer should always be an automatic negative answer. If we know that somebody's trying to manipulate us, they're trying to intimidate us to do their will and to, to trap you, immediately don't even partake, don't do anything, even consider any type of affirmative answer for them. It's always negative. No, because you say this, no. The answer is I'm not, I'm not even uh, taking part. So uh, the, what they're trying to do is take your ability to say no away. And they're trying to, so they're trying to force you. The way to, to deal with any type of, of intimidation or manipulation is to stand against it and say, no, I understand what you're doing here. You're trying to intimidate me. You're trying to manipulate me. I see that. I'm not going to stand for it. I'm done with this. And that's it. And whatever they're going to go do, whatever, let them go do. But for us as Christians, don't give in to intimidation. Don't give in to uh, any type of uh, manipulation. Just no. I, I know what you're doing here and confront it and move on. Verse 6. When Pilate heard of Galilee, he said to the uh, he he sorry, he asked if the man were a Galilean, and as soon as he knew that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at the time. Now when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceedingly glad. For he had desired for a long time to see him because he had heard many things about him and he hoped to see some miracle done by him. Then he questioned him with, with many words, but he, but he answered him nothing. And the chief priests and the scribes stood and vehemently accused him. Then Herod, with his men of war, treated him with contempt and mocked him arrayed him with a gorgeous robe, and sent him back to Pilate. That day, Pilate and Herod became friends with each other, for previously they had, ha they had been at enmity uh, with each other. So uh, Pilate sends, him, uh, sends Jesus to Herod. Uh, Herod's very excited. He's very excited to hear that Jesus is there uh, because uh, he wanted a circus act. He wanted Jesus to perform a miracle for him. And uh, when, when that doesn't happen, so uh, if you remember with John the Baptist, he wanted to hear what John the uh, Baptist had to say. And uh, that's, a, that's a, a, a different scenario. It's an it's a interesting study. So go back and, and I encourage you to look at, uh, at the, the interactions between John the Baptist and Herod. Because Herod um, would listen to John the Baptist. Uh, and he was looking forward to listening to John the Baptist, but what he didn't realize is that he then gets set up uh, by Herodias, his, his brother's wife that he stole, and Herodias' daughter, uh, probably familiar with, with what happened there. She dances uh, some, seductive, uh, some seductive dance. He says, ask whatever you want up to half my kingdom. And then what would any teenage girl ask for? The head of John the, uh, John the Baptist, right? So that was all set up by the, by the mother. And, 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 and Herod knew that he was in trouble. He knew he was boxed in and that he had to do it. Otherwise, it was going to be embarrassment. He orders the beheading of John the Baptist. It, he, but it says that he, he wanted to hear John. He also wanted to see Jesus. He, Herod wanted to be entertained. And when Jesus came and, uh, and, and wasn't willing... Uh, to entertain him and uh, uh, wasn't willing to, uh, to, to, to talk with him, it says. 
he was he was very much a uh, Herod was a man that was uh, led by his flesh, um, and he, he got himself into situations like uh, with uh, with John the Baptist. Uh, and uh, what he ends up doing in that scenario with John the Baptist uh, is he cuts off one that was speaking the word of God into his life. So John would speak directly to Herod. Excuse me. And uh, what he ends up doing in his foolishness and following his own flesh is cutting off somebody that was ministering to him. And maybe we did that in our lives. You know, living a uh, living a, uh, a prodigal life or whatever is cutting off. Oh, I don't want to hear my grandmother asks. I really don't want to go to Graham's house. I really don't want to go to my uncles or my brothers or whatever it is. You know, conversations start getting a little more shallow uh, once somebody knows that we might be willing to have a conversation with them about the Lord. And be prepared to be that person and, and pray that it doesn't happen. That kind of gets removed and, and pushed out of somebody's life or those conversations aren't brought up. Hey, how about that game? And oh, well, hey, hey you got to go. You know, they're, they're, it's not you. It's, it's the Lord that they're pushing away. So they're ultimately rejecting God. So uh, Jesus knows Herod's heart. And uh, uh the Lord, it says here that he, he wouldn't even speak to him. And, and uh, in, in doing so, the Lord uh, remaining silent uh, fulfilled Isaiah 53 verse 7. It says he was opposed and he was afflicted. I'm sorry, he was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep goes before its shearers, uh, before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. So we see what's happening here. Uh, as Jesus is standing in front of, Pi, of, of Herod, he's not willing to, uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't speak. So they just go into, the, the mob is vehemently uh, accusing him even more. So then uh, Herod decides, hey, you know what we're going to do is we're going to get him a robe and we're going to treat him with contempt. And they're, they're going to beat him and array him with a gorgeous robe and mock him. Uh, and then send him back to Pilate. They're just gonna just gonna mock him, beat him, and send him back. Uh, so, you know, the mob uh, stood and and they're as things are going, and uh, they don't want to lose the traction they have. They're they're in full out desperation mode. Is we've got to stay. We've got to we they've got to see our teeth. I dealt with this today. Um, I was at a friend's house. Uh, there they went away for the day, and we're like, yeah, sure, we'll put your dog in. The dog's seen me two or three times. Uh, I've taken him out, put him in his crate. It's never been a big deal. But my my daughter goes over and uh, she's she calls Jen. I just got done mowing the lawn. Uh, she calls Jen. She's like, he's not going in. Kind of showed me his teeth, kind of snapping a little bit. And so I'm like, oh, okay. So don't do anything more. I'll go over. Kind of doing the same with me. And and it's I don't want to do this. And he was just starting to, starting to get a little wound up and everything. And and I. Uh, so that that showing of the teeth, he didn't show me his teeth because I think he noticed I'm bigger uh, than him. But my daughter was very much, you know, he's a big dog and uh, not so as intimidating to him. But but, uh, you know, that that thing that they'll do, they'll show the teeth and and, you, you know, they're angry. These guys were showing everything. They're angry. Don't turn us away. This is what we want. This is what we want to do. Uh, so the mob's just still doing their thing. And uh, Herod, Herod just once again is showing his wickedness, and um, you know Jesus isn't willing to do the tricks. Uh, they they treat him with contempt. They put the purple robe on him. They're rocking, excuse me, mocking his his royalty. Um, they uh, uh, they um, uh, sorry the gorgeous robe, uh, and and then they send him back to Pilate. So uh, this is the basis. It says here uh, in verse twelve that this is the basis of them becoming friends again. This, these, these two happenings of these uh, two occasions of Pilate dealing with Jesus, then Herod dealing with Jesus, and them kind of respecting each other on this kind of broke the ice for them. Um, they, so really, they can share the abuse and rejection of Jesus Christ as their uh, the the basis for the foundation of their relationship. Not so much a good one. Peter uh, in Acts chapter four. Uh, so after being released, Jesus's name uh, had been uh, forbidding, uh, forbidden by the Sanhedrin. Uh, Peter and John, uh, they go to their friends and they're praying. And in their prayer, uh, when, when we are discussing these, this, what we just read, it says Acts 4 verse 26 says, The kings of the earth took their stand. This is their prayer, uh, the disciples' prayer. 
uh, apostles. They've been sent out as apostles by now. Uh, the kings of the earth uh, took their stand, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly, against your servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. So the, the, the basis of their foundation was the rejection of Jesus Christ. That's, that's the, the foundation of their relationship. And it's even mentioned in the apostles' prayer as they're praying for boldness uh, as they move forward. Uh, we're out of time, so we're, we're going to pick this up uh, next time in verse uh, 13. I had notes to go to 25, but I still have four pages of notes for us to cover. Uh, so we're probably not going to get those done in the next two minutes. So I'm going uh, uh, you know, to stop here as much as I'd like to go another 20 minutes and finish this out. We'll know where we're picking up next time. But what we see here now is uh, we see... Uh, that there's uh, mock trials, there's beating of Jesus, there's uh, Jewish laws being broken left and right by those that were supposed to try people for breaking those same rules and, and, and uh, the rules of the Mishnah and everything. So all of those things uh, that we see here, and then we see uh, the what happens with Pilate and then Herod expecting a dog and pony show, uh, all those things. So that's that's what we've covered tonight, and it's important for us go back and read these things. Go forward and read these things. Be prepared that next time we meet, you know, you can go. Oh, okay, now we're getting into this, and uh, you know, the Lord's just going to. Oh, the more time we spend in His Scripture, the more our eyes are going to be open. The more we're going to grow. The, the stronger we're going to be in our faith. So I encourage you to read ahead uh, and and to be ready. So uh, we will, uh, Lord willing, at least go through verses 13 through 25. Uh, but the, hopefully we'll, we'll get a little bit further, uh, into our, uh, into, uh, chapter 23 in our next meeting. So, uh, let's pray. Father, uh, thank you for your word. Thank you, uh, that we can look and understand, uh, what's behind these words and, and, and what's happening, uh, behind the scenes and, and what was supposed to happen. And there's so much there for us to understand everything that was going on as uh, all of this is, is leading up to such a pivotal point uh, in uh, the history of mankind in the crucifixion of Christ. And we thank you, Lord, for, for what we can study, what we can learn, and uh, what we can chew on uh, and as we're driving home or, or when we wake up in the morning or, or lay down uh, in bed. And just something to think about and, and uh, uh, to study and to, to grow. So we thank you so much for your word. We pray that you would draw us to it and that we would spend uh, uh, lots of time in it, uh, just uh, it, being at your, at your feet and that your Holy Spirit would minister. Please protect us and be with us and bring us back together again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.